So if you look at it within that kind of lens, kind of makes sense that there's going to be a strong response. I do want to get back to the NBA. I think there is some interesting significance to the Milwaukee Bucks being the team that spearheaded this. Number one, the obvious point that they are from the state, Wisconsin, where this happened. But the other point that I think is is really relevant to bring up here is that they're the team with the top record in the NBA in the regular season. They're the number one seed in the East, and, and they overall in the entire NBA have the best record. They're the team that maybe has the most to lose. Yeah, no doubt. And also the one time the Lakers and Clippers were talking about not playing at all for the rest of the NBA, and uh, they both have very good chances of winning a championship. Uh, no, I, I commend these guys because I think boycotts are the only way we're going to see any kind of change. almost wish that they were playing in their own arenas because – I think if you're canceling games that people have tickets to, I think it would drive the point home a little bit further. I know you can argue well, that affects the fans, and sometimes people are only are only able to go to one game a year based on different reasons, so it you know might cost them that one chance. But I really think the boycotts the only way we're going to start seeing situations like what happened in Wisconsin change. I also give uh, I know the Brewers were the first baseball team to postpone and they that's right uh, give uh, major league baseball credit for their boycotts and i'd also like to give the, uh, the nhl credit for their boycotts a league that I believe it's 90 percent white granted that doesn't mean they're racist but it's, sometimes it can be hard to walk in someone else's shoes i thank them for also following in with their fellow athletes with the boycott oh and we should also acknowledge the wnba also yes. boycotted along with the, the nba and wnba players they spelled out his name and they also had bullet holes on their back of their their so. shirts so anyway yes yeah, so we're seeing this across the board okay so let's switch gears just a little bit and get into a topic that we've broached in recent episodes uh, which is the fluctuating state of affairs for the rapidly upcoming college football season. So we think. <laughs> what what are we seeing, Jace, right now for that? What's what's the latest from, from what you're seeing and hearing? Who knows? This is getting really odd. Uh, it's still looking like uh, the Big 12, the, uh, the SEC, and ACC are going to be playing this year, and some of the, um, the non-P5s, Conference USA, AAC will be playing, but I – this is just so bizarre to me. I can't, well, one, I can't understand how we're going to have a national champion this year. Uh, are we going to have a fall national champion in the spring one? Or are we just going to ask the teams playing in the fall, oh, just wait three or four months for the playoffs to start, you know, take some time off. So uh, I'm really puzzled by that situation. Yeah, we have, as of right now, and this could change, uh, I know we both predicted that ultimately at some point all of the conferences would cancel their season or delay until the spring. And, and so far we've been a little off target on that. We're not usually wrong about things, but this is a rare exception. Uh, at least so far, we might still be right in the end because it's another thing to, to finish your season. To begin is one thing, but to actually be able to make it through without having uh, teams have it shut down because they have too many players uh, getting sick or something that that's another issue but but as of right now six of the ten so 60 percent of the FBS division one conferences are planning to play and they have some modified schedules but they're planning to play most of their games and you have a really weird situation where at the FCS division one level most of those teams are not playing the conferences have all essentially shut 
down from what I understand, but there are some of the conferences that are still allowing their teams as of right now, I, I almost feel like this is inevitably going to change, but as of right now, they're still allowing their, their teams to play some non-conference games, but then they're going to do a spring schedule for a conference. So what, what Jace was just talking about of uh, having some teams, some conferences play in the fall and then others play in the spring, that's weird enough. Uh, do, do we, yeah, do we go forward with all the bowl games in the national championship? We, we don't even have enough teams to fill all the bowl slates as, as currently constructed that some of those bowl games will have to be canceled in the fall, maybe a large percentage of them. And, and do we even have a national championship? And then do we do another one? Do we do other bowl games or delay some of them till the spring? But then you have the other weird issue, like I was saying, of there could be certain teams, at least as of right now, at the FCS level that could play a few games in the fall and then the rest of their season in the spring. Like this just doesn't seem like a tenable situation. No, and it's my understanding with the FCS that some conferences have, have told their teams, not only can you play a few non you you could play a whole independent schedule if you can find the teams and there is fall football in the fall. So you're going to get two seasons this year? That just sounds ridiculous and bizarre. So in theory, we could actually see for a lot of programs – that despite the risks of COVID, they can actually end up playing more football, right. more right. games, right. and more travel than right. they would in a regular year right. because of all the piecemeal solutions to this situation. Yeah, and I think this could be something that we look back years now upon, and we could really look at it as a real negative moment in the history of the NCAA asking these amateur athletes to basically put their, in some ways, to put their lives or at least their long-term health on the line, basically all in the name of money. I think it's going to be kind of feeding these some of these negative stereotypes about the NCAA, about how they really don't care about the athletes. It's all about the money. So I think that we could, I think this could end up being one of the worst moments in the history of the NCAA. I hope not, but we'll see. Okay. Well, on that note, it's time to move ahead to everyone's favorite segment, rapid fire questions, which we instituted, what, one other time? Yeah, one other time, so... <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to declare it's a tradition. it to, to it's a tradition. be, yeah, yeah, just amazingly rich tradition that we have. All right, so I will let you go first. All right, for those of you who don't know, the other night at the uh, Republican National Convention, Lou Holtz, former college football coach, said that Joe Biden was a Catholic in name only. Matt, will this hurt his nice guy perception for the rest of his life? No. <laughs> Even though I have a lot of problems with that statement and, and think that it's problematic for one Catholic to be declaring another to not be a, an authentic one, uh, as if he could actually know what's going on within that person's own spiritual existence or anything. But the only reason why I'll say that it won't is just that I, I think that he's, he's kind of has his reputation etched in granite in a lot of ways, and he's been a voice of conservative politics for a while and, and crops up uh, to give these types of speeches now and then. And, and I think most people are compartmentalizing when it comes to him. I, I think maybe if he were younger and this were more in the midst of his career, that would be the case. But I think that, that he's in that territory of, well, that's just old, crazy, retired Lou Holtz saying the things that he says nowadays. And I don't think that it will have any kind of real damaging kind of uh, tarnish to, to persona. It's funny. He's kind of gone from the image of silly Uncle Lou to crazy political Uncle Lou in recent years. <laughs> All right. So I'll ask a question here. 
this kind of goes back to the, the college football season and, and what to do about that. So I'm going to okay. ask this. Well, it's a two-part question. Okay. Uh, number one, will the Rose Bowl be played for the 2020-2021 football season? And then if your answer is yes, will it be played at the end of the fall season or at the end of the spring season? Well, they've already canceled the parade. So I'm going to say, yes, it will be played, but it'll be whenever closer to whenever the end of the spring season may be. Which would make sense since it's supposed to hit a Big Ten and a Pac-12 yeah. team. And both they're of not, those are not planning, planning on <laughs> playing in the spring. Uh, but yeah, it just seems weird, such a major bowl, that if the bulk of the college football season and the all the major bowls are going to be at the end of the fall, it seems weird that that one will just be waiting for, for later on. Maybe we'll have two Rose Bowls. We'll have a yes. fall one with uh, SEC versus... Uh, We're going to have two national champions, two a uh, Maybe we'll somehow get two Rose Bowl parades even. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, instead, you know of, they canceled. Yeah, <laughs> instead of that being canceled, we'll just get multiple Rose Bowl <laughs> parades now. <laughs> I, I think that this, uh, just to kind of wrap things up, I think this is maybe, we're seeing the symptoms of college football being so fragmented the idea that you have different conferences that, that kind of really are the authoritative body for those schools and those teams. But then you have the NCAA, which seems far weaker than the individual conferences to dictate what's happening. And then you have different types of conference. You have the, the Power Five conferences, and you have the Group of Five, and there's kind of this unofficial alignments of those working in tandem with, with one another based on which group you're a part of as a conference. And then even within the conferences, you have individual programs, some of which are saying, well, we're not going to play even though our conference is. So you see that fragmentation. You see all these different sets of rules. And then we're trying to put it all together and call it all this one sport where there really isn't this whole governing body that that is able to exert its control and, and create any kind of standardization. So even if we don't see the kind of irreparable harm to the reputation of college football, like Jace was mentioning earlier, that that is certainly a risk. But even if we don't see that, I do wonder if we're going to have exposed the too many small uncoordinated parts and the need to standardize more how college football and maybe college sports as a whole really operates. There's been three. Basically, there should be a vice president who's in charge of each of the NCAA, who's in charge of each sport, who basically acts as a commissioner for all every conference of that sport. So basically, there'd be like a vice president who's in charge of football and would try to make sure that all these conferences and teams are working together because you're right, except for maybe the ones who consider themselves the power conferences. They don't really work together, and it's sounding like these teams aren't even really working together all that well. So it's one reason why we have this hodgepodge scenario going on right now. So there does seem to be a, a call for more organization when it comes to different NCAA sports. That sounds like a great idea, having a vice president in charge of each individual sport, and it'll probably never happen. Nope, nope, never will. <laughs> Well, on that note, that brings us to the close of another exciting episode. Thank you. You've been listening to Coffee in a Jar. I'm Matt. I'm Jace. And you can find Coffee in a Jar, of course, wherever fine podcasts are made. 
And please, as Jace mentioned at the beginning of the program, reach out to us via our email address, which is podcast at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for listening. Thank you.